my shorts. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Dave Lee Down Under podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Dave Lee. We're taking a small break over the holidays and we'll return with brand new episodes in early February 2022. Until then, I'll be delivering a number of compilation episodes showcasing the best moments from 2021. Episodes regularly go out every Monday on all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon and Audible. A visual element is also available on YouTube, which goes out two days earlier to Patreon supporters on Saturdays. So if you'd like your early access, head to patreon.com forward slash Under. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and the like button down below. If you're listening on the podcast platforms, please leave a review and a rating. It really helps. Please enjoy the best of the Davely Down Under podcast 2021 part two. Hey, I wanted to try something this week. Um, could be dangerous. Yeah, I, I. It's probably it might even be a bit annoying for the for the for the listeners out there. But I've I've realised recently when I've been doing my videos and stuff, and particularly on the podcast, that I use a lot of what are called filler words. Um, uh, uh, right. And I've got to try and get out of the habit. I've got to break the habit mm. because I always feel like it's really unprofessional, particularly <laughs> when I'm in an interview. And like I was in the interviews the other day and I was thinking, fuck, I'm like, uh, 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 uh. so I've been reading into how you can get yourself out of, out of doing it. Okay. And the best way they reckon is to have someone with you and every time you use a filler word, they clap. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so I want you, every time you hear me go, uh, or um, or something, just fucking clap. <laughs> and they reckon it's like this psychological thing where you're like, oh, fuck, I've done it again. And you, you, you like... It's like the to, shock collar you put yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you le- just shock collar. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, you learn to subliminally not do it. So we'll give it a crack. Oh. If you can even remember, but oh, we'll give it a try. You know what so memory's just, like? Yeah, I know. So we'll see how it goes. But anyway, if you hear, if you do happen to hear me like, um, clap. Because I listen to we'll other, other podcasts and shit I listen to, other interviews and stuff, I never see the people going, uh, uh, um. I mean, sometimes it could be like a matter of editing or whatever, but mm. I know it's a very bad habit I have. So anyway, if you hear me using a filler word, as they're called, just give me a little clap. Or maybe give me a something like that. I don't know. <laughs> That's what I thought. We'll give it a, we'll give it a try. I've got to get out of this habit. So this week, um, first test. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> this week, see, it's really hard though yeah, because no. you use filler words from what I've read or watched. You use it as like a subliminal. Think, think time. Yeah, it's like a subliminal way for you to extend your speech to let other people know that you're not finished. Okay. So you could be talking, you go, um, just to let people know, subliminally let people know, or subconsciously rather, not subliminally, subconsciously let people know that you're not finished your speech. Oh. So it is really hard to be able to like, okay, guys, so next up we go, you know. So anyway, I just try and break that fucking habit just so it becomes nature. That's that next last little bit of speech that I need to get down. Let me know down in the comments. Good or luck with that. 
or write or email, let me know if you also have trouble with filler words. <laughs> it's not just me. I do it all the time. I'm sure it's everyone. But I just feel like when I'm more in this situation where I have to be presenting or whatever, mm. I need to cut, I need to snap out of it. I need to learn not to do it. So anyway, this week. I do it a bit when I'm in a situation where I've got to think a bit. Yeah. It gives me a little bit of thinking time. Well, I think that's what it is. It's like you. Yeah. It, it signifies to the other person that you're not finished your conversation, you're thinking about what to say next. It's just like a way to fill that space. Oh, okay. Yeah. All these things about the human brain, huh? If you've got one. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> so this week we've... Um, <clears throat> you missed again, you missed it again. Yeah? <laughs> this ain't going to work. No, I'm not, doomed. It's not because I don't hear it. I'm doomed. Well, yeah. Hey, my uh, my friend Radio Mike... Who does yeah, the yeah, podcast? Yeah. Um, Twentieth uh, Century Boy. Yep. And the Harry Potter, Harry Potter and the Boys. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he has he did a crowdfunding thing with his listeners to get a um, a one eight hundred number. So they raised like three hundred, four hundred dollars, whatever it is, to reserve this one eight hundred number, and it's one eight hundred get fucked. Oh. Yeah. And he, um, so he's he's got this hotline for the podcast, and people just call in, leave like a, a a voice message, and it might be like a few people that ring in every week, and he'll play them and whatever else. Uh, but this week he posted, I think he must have posted on Twitter, uh, sorry, not Twitter, on TikTok. Uh, this video about, oh, explaining of oh, 1-800-GET-FUCKED. He's been getting a little bit of traction on Twitter, on TikTok at the moment. And this tweet kind of went like semi-viral. It was like 20,000 views or something, yeah, 15,000, yeah. 20,000 views. And he, the hotline got flooded. Like, really? thousands, like a, a, over 1,000 calls called in. And it was just like people just like, hey, get, get fucked. fucked. <laughs> <laughs> he says, you've ruined the hotline. We've ruined the hotline. Like, I shouldn't have done this. you ruined the hotline. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. That's so, funny. Quite what can, funny. What can we get? I don't know. Jeez. One eight hundred get fucked. So if you wanna if you wanna go and call Radio Mike, call one eight hundred get fucked. I don't know what the digits of that are, but one eight hundred get fucked. And leave no, tell tell Mike that Dave Lee Dan under sent you. <laughs> do it, please. Just do it. I implore anyone out there in Australia, do it, please. Uh, um Oh, that's funny. That's that's about that's about all we've been Maybe up we to. We should do it, do it now. <laughs> we should. Hey, I wonder what happens. Actually, let's do it. Let's give it a call. We got to connect this to the, to the dock first. Oh, yeah. You're right. throwing a curly one to me. Oh, well, do you know. do it on Bluetooth? I think it's the Bluetooth. Yes, oh no, Bluetooth. no this, is it the phone? No, it is Bluetooth. Definitely. I think it's Bluetooth. Uh, Bluetooth Roadcaster Pro. Um, unconnect. iPhone can no longer connect. Oh, forget device and then pair it again. Oh, God. See, this is what I mean. Got to be prepared for the uh, the old link up. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast is, oh, we've got to turn the Bluetooth on. That helps. That'll help. Okay, here we go. Here Roadcast we go. Here Pro. We go. Uh, Mike does listen to the podcast. He's a patron. Does he? Oh, yeah. that's good. So he'll hear this. <laughs> I think he's a few weeks behind, so I'll get a message in like a month be like, hey, I just heard it. Okay, so 1-800. Oh, is that coming through? The, it is coming through. Yeah, can you can hear it. Um, just, just say, four, radio mic, get fucked. Yeah, I will. <laughs> four, three, eight. Is it, is it, it must be FKD. FK. No, maybe, maybe not. Well, let's try, let's have a look. See what happens. 
Hi, thanks for calling 1-800-GET-FUCKED. We're not available to take your call at the moment, so either get fucked or leave a message after the beep. Hey, Radio Mike, it's uh, Dave Lee Down Under here from the Dave Lee Down Under podcast. And old man Rick. How's it going? Hey, we we just ringing you. We, we I, I saw your your post about uh, how your your hotline got absolutely slammed <laughs> um, with people telling you get fucked. So we thought we'd get in on it. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so right there, Mike, get, get fucked. fucked. <laughs> See you later, mate. Have a good one. There we go. That was a bit of fun. So yeah, it's one eight hundred four three eight three. Five, three. Go back. Oh yeah, just go back. One eight hundred four three eight three five three. One eight hundred. Get fucked. There you go. (laughs) Thanks, Radio Mike. Um, Uh, Well, that was a bit of fun. Hope he gets it. Nice and spontaneous here on the podcast, as always. Another move. These are of course Paramount films. Paramount has also moved Jackass Forever. This is the fourth Jackass film. No, uh, that moves. No, no loss. <laughs> that moves from October 22, 2021 to Feb 4, 2022. That's four months. I think sell it off to Netflix or something. Mm. Who's going to go, really, who is going to a cinema to watch Jackass? Della. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I saw Jackass. I probably saw all three of the movies in cinemas. Because he loved, he loved the Jackass, So did didn't I, yeah, you? we loved it. We loved Jackass. But that was when we were like fucking 12 years old. And you did... Down the, down the hill and everything on the... Yeah, we made our own version of Jackass. I rolled him down the stairs and don't try this at home. No. I put him, I, I put him in a, uh, in a um, uh, what do you call it, a, be- a sleeping bag oh, and then put him on a skateboard and rolled him down the stairs. <laughs> Why did um, I not know this? Uh, well, we erased the footage. <laughs> After it happened, we were like, yeah, we probably shouldn't. We should probably delete this footage. You might get in trouble. Oh, and then, God. yeah, I'm sure I pushed him down the hill on a bike or some, or a skateboard or scooter or something. Did some stupid <laughs> shit. Anyway, don't try this at home, kids. The evidence I don't believe uh, exists anymore. Oh, we went nick knocking next door as well as part of it, and and he came out. He was like throwing stuff at us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think maybe that was the point where we were like, yeah, we should probably delete this footage. Oh, <laughs> uh, so don't try it at home. But yeah, I I. We we would have seen the first, we saw all three movies in cinemas, um, but it's not something I would drag myself to a cinema to see oh, now. No, no way. Uh, now, so- I mean, less people. I wonder whether less people are actually enjoying film on large screens. Yeah, it's weird. No, it's that know. generation behind you that, oh, yeah, to people, watch everything off their phone on a phone. Stuff. Yeah, people are happy to watch a film on a phone. <sighs> I watch stuff on phone on, but it's yeah, just little, yeah, just little videos on Facebook. Yeah, exactly shit, right, or YouTube, whatever. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, it's this new generation that's coming through, or this new generation that's probably in their like teens now, mm. Um, mm. who are just so used to watching shit on the phone, and they're happy to watch a movie on the phone. That's right. Because when I was probably sixteen, was when the first, um, maybe a bit younger, the first like video iPod came in. I remember sitting yeah, in class maybe. watching movies on an iPod. And our, uh, it would be me and Wacko Jacko and Tim. We'd be watching like uh, Talladega Nights. Teacher come over like, what are you doing? Like, we're watching Talladega Nights. He'd be like, have you done your work? Yeah. Oh, right, whatever then. Just let us watch our movie. So you did your work. That was always your problem. Yeah. Get your work done. Yeah. Early. Before, before everybody yeah. else. And then this happened. You had to beat your teacher everyone. though. Yeah. You had to beat your oh, teacher. Yeah. This guy was fine. He was like, as long as you've done your work, just whatever. <laughs> <laughs> now here's another one 
Uh, it's nothing that we can watch because the footage hasn't been released publicly yet. Uh, but this was also revealed at CinemaCon. Is The Matrix 4. Warners is doing the fourth Matrix movie at the moment. They announced the title is called Matrix Resurrections. Resurrections. Matrix mm. Resurrections. Um, I feel it like, makes sense with all the other names of all the other ones. Yeah, Matrix, Matrix Revol- Re- Revolutions. Revolutions. Matrix Reloaded. Can't yeah. remember which was which, but yeah. Mm. Um, so then this one, Matrix Resurrections. I feel like the title may have leaked because I feel like I read that title not long ago. Right. Uh, but anyway, it's been announced as Matrix Resurrections. It's got Keanu Reeves, of course, as back as Neo. Carrie Ann Moss, back as Trinity. No Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, what? Apparently didn't get asked. Yeah, someone asked. He was like, why, why aren't you in the movies? I don't know. Didn't get asked. Ah, oh, bugger. Best part. Who yeah. knows? He'll probably appear at the end to something. He'll be like, Who knows? I'm back. Mm. I don't know. Something like that. Hey, I <laughs> should remind me every time I think about this Morpheus. I was obsessed with The Matrix when I was a kid. I loved yep. the movies. And I did um, what was called Bell Duty at primary school. <laughs> so they put you on duty to do the bell. Um, obviously you have the bell that rings to go to class, yeah. the bell that rings to go to, to go out to, to recess, lunch and recess, lunch, and yeah. then you ring the bell again. The to, yeah. So you would sit in there with your friend uh, to ring the bell. It was essentially just like you put like a – there was like a sound effect and you played it and it goes throughout the PA system. We're talking like probably early 2000s at this point, <laughs> late 90s maybe. I was very young. So me and Lockie did the, did the bell. And we play, you could play whatever music. At one point, they let you play whatever music you wanted, but people oh started God. abusing it. I, like, I played the Smallville theme song. It was like, what are you doing? Someone started playing Eminem once, and they were like, that is it. <laughs> yeah, and they played like an Eminem track, and they were like, that is it. And after that, there was like a um, just a random disc, and you could only play the music anyway, going off topic. But I was doing the bell duty with Lockie Della. <laughs> and I think we had maybe been warned, like maybe play better music or whatever. Um, but we were you would sit in this little room, you'd spend your whole lunchtime in it so that you could get the timing down right. And we we're in this little room and um it had like a window, you could open the window, one of those swing out ones that yep. would go out into like the courtyard down the side of the building. I don't know what I was doing. But I remember jumping, I pretending to be Morpheus, going, I'm Morpheus. And I jumped out the window just as a teacher walked into the room. It was like, that is it. You are off <laughs> bell duty. That is it. So I got to take it off bell duty to jump out the window. Morpheus. Morpheus. Feral. Yeah, I know. Feral. What a shit I'm here about now. Yeah. I didn't know about Yeah, there you go. That's so why I got kicked off bell duty. So anyway, the Matrix is coming back. Here's another thing, right? Martin Scorsese. The great Martin Scorsese. Are you still pissed off now? Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay. going, going right. I'm okay with WandaVision. I've had my say, but now I'm getting onto this one here and I'm still we fiery. We should have had a little button that said, Dave's pissed off. Yeah, we will Some next time. <laughs> we will next time. We're now in 15 minutes already. From that uh, the comedy show, remember? Dave was yeah, it was on Rove, like, Rove, Rove, ni- right. Rove 99. It was before Rove Live. Uh, it yeah, was a show he did right. on Channel yeah, 9. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave Callanan Dave was on Callanan. it. And he was always, Dave's pissed Dave's off. Pissed off. So anyway, Martin Scorsese's come out. Scorsese's always coming out and saying things that just piss people off, right? So a couple of years ago, he came out and he said, um, it's in 2019, he was asked about superhero movies, what he thinks about superhero movies. He says, I don't see them. I tried, you know, but that's not cinema. Honestly, the closest I can think of them, as well made as they are, with actors doing the best they can under the circumstances, is theme parks. 
It isn't the cinema of human beings trying to convey emotional, psychological experiences to another human being. This is not the this is not the quote at hand, but this is something he said a couple of years ago. Uh, a couple of years ago, that riled up quite a few people, saying superhero films aren't cinema. As people saying it's a little bit pretentious. A lot of uh, filmmakers came out and said, "Yeah, nobody." Do it. James Gunn, director of Guardians of the Galaxy, came out and he made the point that when Scorsese did The Last Temptation of Christ. There were a lot of um, sort of Christian groups came out and rallied against the film um, because it was sacrilegious or whatever else, um, and and this was these were people who hadn't even watched the movie, and James Gunn says it's hard for me to see that Martin Scorsese went through this when he's now doing the same thing to the kinds of films that I make, right? And so these statements Scorsese made on the superhero movies, I understand what he's trying to say, but I don't think he worded it very right. And that, I didn't really quite agree with that at the time. I just say something is not cinema, I think is wrong. Because they're inherently cinema. No matter what form it is, if it's the worst film ever made, it's still cinema. It's still art. You can't disqualify it because it's about people in tights running around and flying and stuff, right? People have still put their heart and soul into it. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Anyway, if there's any kind of work going into something... That's cinema. I didn't really agree with that. But he's come out now with, um, with an op-ed in Harper's Magazine, a massive one, where he's kind of, again, it's this kind of thing where he's talking about um, film preservation and how the way that we are um, absorbing media, the way that we um, consume media now, has changed the fabric of what, film is or what cinema is or the more particularly the way that people think of it or view it and as a result what the distributors are doing to keep these films part of some sort of conversation and in most cases they're vaulting it like disney's been doing for years and you can't get it until a certain point you can't watch it so i'll read the quote from scorsese this is quite lengthy lengthy this is expedited though it's abridged so it's a shorter version of like a massive op-ed that he did. He says, As recently as 15 years ago, the term content was heard only when people were discussing the cinema on a serious level, and it was contrasted with and measured against form. Then gradually, it was used more and more by the people who took over media companies, most of whom knew nothing about the history of the art form or even cared enough to think that they should. Content is now a business term for all moving images. A David Lean movie, a cat video, a Super Bowl commercial, a superhero sequel, a series episode. On the one hand, this has been good for filmmakers, myself included, because he did um, The Irishman for Netflix. Um, On the other hand, it has created a situation in which everything is presented to the viewer on a level playing field, which sounds democratic but isn't. If further viewing is suggested by algorithm based on what you've already seen and the suggestions are based only on subject matter or genre, then what does that do to the art of cinema? Everything has changed. The cinema and the importance it holds in our culture. Of course, it hardly, it's hardly surprising that artists such as Jean-Luc Godard, Ingmar Bergman, Stanley Kubrick and Fellini, who once reigned over our great art form like gods, would eventually recede into the shadows with the passing of time. But at this point, we can't take anything for granted. We can't depend on the movie business such as it is to take care of cinema. In the movie business, which is now the mass visual entertainment business, the emphasis is always on the word business and value is always determined by the amount of money to be made from any given property. In that sense, 
everything from Sunrise to La Strada to 2001 is now pretty much rung dry and ready for the art film swim lane on any streaming platform, on a streaming platform. To make it crystal clear to the current legal owners of these films that they amount to much, much more than mere property to be exploited and then locked away. They are among the greatest treasures of our culture and they must be treated accordingly. What do you feel about this? This has caused a huge stir. God. It's taking a bit of a swipe, isn't he? Mm. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know what my thoughts are on that. Caused a huge stir. Yeah. People are saying he's a pretentious, privileged old man. Someone tried to argue with me online that he feels like Martin Scorsese feels like he's being silenced. He's being silenced, so he has to come out and try and well, make sure that his films aren't... To a degree, don't you? Well, uh, I don't disagree with uh, him. People have accused him of gatekeeping cinema. And there's nothing wrong with that. Did you know what gatekeeping... Yeah. Gatekeeping is like this term that they throw around recently in fandoms where... Oh, you're not a real fan of that, or mm. oh, you haven't been you haven't been a Star Wars fan since the 1970s, like me. So you're not a true Star yeah, Wars fan. Yeah. Get out, like sort of gatekeeping sort of thing. But has he earned the right to be like that, though? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I don't think he's gatekeeping. Right? He's produced some of the biggest films mm-hmm. in history. Yep. I think he's earned the right yep. to be a gatekeeper. But I don't think he is being a gatekeeper. That's well, I'm, the thing. I'm not saying yeah, yeah, yeah. he is if, or not. I'm saying if, if, if you were to take that, yeah, yeah. If 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 you're sitting there and you're saying and you're saying, oh, he's, he's just he's just being a yeah. gatekeeper. Well, what's wrong with that? Martin Scorsese, somebody's going to look after it. Well, he is the single person at the moment. I feel, particularly of his stature, who is doing anything to this level of trying to preserve film and trying to preserve film as an art form. Now, he runs the World Cinema Project. Um, sorry, he started the uh, the Film Foundation in 1990, mm-hmm. which he formed alongside others like George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, Clint Eastwood, uh, Francis Ford Coppola, Robert Redford, um, Polak, Sidney Polak, yep. and a number of others. Um, it's a US-based non-profit organisation dedicated to film preservation and the exhibition of restored and classic cinema. He's also spun out of that the World Cinema Project, founded in 2007, a non-profit organisation devoted to preservation and restoration of neglected world cinema, so foreign language film. Um, and he's he has worked with Criterion, the mm-hmm. um, boutique label, Blu-ray, DVD, yep. been back since VHS. Um, he's worked with them on numerous box sets, which is called the Scorsese's World Cinema Project. And each of these box sets has like maybe five, six world uh, fi- uh, world films that he feels like has been underlooked, or you know that through his project. No, his foundation is restored and kind of brought back to the limelight. Now, Criterion obviously is a very niche kind of thing. Not a lot of people are going to be buying these, but um, he's doing a lot to kind of try and preserve cinema. Um, and he has his whole career. Um, yeah. Again, there's a time and place for streaming, but it shouldn't come to the I, – I feel it should not come to the detriment – of the true cinematic experience, which is what Scorsese is trying to say. Everything's content now. Yep. You go to Netflix, everything's on there. 2001 A Space Odyssey, which is a film I don't particularly like, right? He says it's now pretty much rung dry and it's just in the art film lane. And no one's going to go to the art films, right? And some films like this, they might just get dropped off the streaming service because no one wants to watch that. Just get it off there, right? And people are not, are not being able to access these films. They should be able to access. And this 
is then to the detriment of the cinema experience mm. because these films are being treated, they're being mistreated as a piece of content, not a piece of art or a piece of but, or a uh, film. Oh, look, I'm, on t- I'm in two minds here mm. about it because, as I said before, I think he's not the right to mm-hmm. have those comments, make those yeah. comments and have those views. But I also think that if these things like, I'm not a 2001 Space yeah, Odyssey yeah. fan at all. I can't stand that film. Um, if it's going on the streaming services, it's giving people the opportunity to actually see them mm. as well. People yeah. who wouldn't, who would not normally, you might be sitting there on a Sunday afternoon and thinking, "Oh, what crap have I, what crap have I got to watch? Oh, there's nothing to watch. Oh, I've never seen this. Let's have a look at this." Yeah, but I think in part also what he's saying is that so algorithmically, ba- so algorithmically based now that something like that is not going to pop up in a recommendation. It's like spot, take Spotify, for yeah, example, yeah, yeah, right? I get that. You yeah. listen to Spotify, yeah. you listen to, you know, certain music, certain musicians, it's going to start recommending, it starts building six, um, um, six uh, playlists every single day, recommending you music that you like based on the music based you've been listening, listening to. to. Yeah. There's no way you can expand your horizons. Now, I'm someone who will listen to... The Beatles on one day, I'll listen to uh, Elvis another day, listen to Johnny Cash, and then I'll listen, listen to Coldplay, Coldplay. Or or... Well, these are all sort of sound down the same lane, yeah. but then Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin. Um, one day I might listen to a bit of a Volvi like, or Beethoven. Well, or... yeah, like uh, yeah, Mozart, Mozart or classic music. And then I'll listen to some of the newer stuff, like uh, Dua Lipa as an artist I really like. Um, and so I, I have this varied palette, if you want to call it, just mm, kind of this varied mm. interest in all kinds of different music, right? And you can apply this to film, where I have I will watch any genre of film because I think a good, a film, good, good film, film is a good film. Um, but with this algorithm thing, how do people now get to experience all these other things if they're being spoon-fed the same thing? Well, if you're... If you're Let's take 2001 as an yep. example. If you're sitting there and watching things like Ad Astra mm. or other, you know, science yep. fiction, spacey sort of things, is that going to be recommended? Well, I don't know. How, how much does it take into account of the age of the film that you're watching as well? Well, who knows? Those who build the algorithms, yeah. though. Yeah. But I reckon that's part of it as well. Maybe. If you're not watching films before 1960, yeah. uh, it's not going to recommend those films to you, mm. or, you know, before a certain era. Yeah. I reckon they're so, I mean, and I'm probably just speaking shit, but I think they are built so smart that they don't recommend any music to you past you know, a certain period because, mm. or, or movies uh, before a certain period because you've only been watching these things over here yeah. as opposed to these things over here. I think that's what he's trying to say is that, there's so many things that now it's to the detriment of these things that aren't going to be able to be found. And it gets to a point where they're not being watched and the streaming service drops it. And we become, we're going into this world now where there's less and less physical media, fewer titles are being released on physical disc, a lot of stuff's going out of print. The only way right now is to view it on streaming, if it's even yeah. on streaming. So what does this mean for the future? I think that's what he's saying. Like right now is the turning point where what he's calling for essentially is proper curation on these media platforms. 
not so much about what you're doing is wrong, streaming's wrong, uh, binging's wrong. It's about curating these collections yep. better so that it's not to the detriment of the film and so that it so that viewers do get a wider gamut of mm, content mm. to choose from that's not exactly spoon feeding it to you. Um, so like the example I was saying before, if I'm listening to um, Elvis constantly for a week, it's never going to recommend Mozart to me. No, that's right. Right? So if you're watching superhero films constantly, it's never going to recommend something to you like Ben-Hur, mm. you know? Yeah. So the way that we now as viewers choose our content is really based on spoon feeding, mm. on this thing going, you love that, watch this, you'll yeah. love this too. Because um, not everybody's like us. Not everybody. No, will, exactly Not right. everybody will go out and buy a Blu-ray or no. DVD or 4K, whatever, Yeah, like we do. Mm. Um, and we can pick and choose what we watch, when yep. we watch and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Whereas I can see what he's saying, that you're almost held to ransom. Yeah. By the streaming services. Yeah. Yeah. By them saying, you can watch this stuff, but yeah. this stuff, we we're not going to yeah. let you watch this shit. Yeah. We're going to that out in five years' time. Mm. I'm yeah. to watch it. Yeah, exactly right. That's what Disney's been doing for so, years with their physical media. Yeah, exactly. With so I get, I, get where, I get where he's coming from. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm in two minds. What's the other mind? I like the, I like the convenience of it all. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, but the but the thing I don't like is the fact that you can't have what you want when you want it. Yeah, I think that's and that's why we have physical. But media. I think that's what he's saying, right? He's saying he doesn't have a problem with streaming. He did the Irishman for Netflix. Yep. that was the only platform that would would let him make that film. It was mm. a movie he was trying to make for years and years, and finally Netflix goes, "We'll give you the money for that." Right? Yeah. So the only way he could get that movie made was through a streaming service. Mm. He say, what he's saying in here is there's no problem with that. There's no problem with this model of this, the way we are viewing content, but it's more about the way the content's curated yeah. and how it is to the detriment of those movies. And I feel like a lot of people that have gone and rallied against him, oh, privileged old guy, he's pretentious, oh, okay. that's part, no, of, the, that's part of the that. problem. This is what fires me up is that people just don't want to listen to it. Yeah. He has valid points. Yep. And again, there can be cases made for or against streaming or whatever, right? My main issue is listen to what he's saying. This guy yeah. knows better than anyone else, yeah. apart from maybe George Lucas out there who is building like this massive um, like narrative film, narrative museum, library thing out in, in um, California. Um, but Martin Scorsese, man, this is the guy you've got to listen to. Mm. And I said I disagree with things he said in the past. He has some hot takes, but this one I can get behind because yep. cinema as an art form is changing, but it's not necessarily for the best. Yeah, no, no, I, I get it. Yeah, so again, I, I think I, I think I agree with him. Yeah, you think you do? I think I do. Yeah. So I, in fact, no, I do. I do agree with yeah. him because you know, like we curate our own, yeah. co- our own, yeah. collection. Exactly right. Well, we've curated a collection yeah, of exactly not right. only stuff that we think we like, but I'm sitting here watching fucking Jean Claude Van Damme <laughs> movies every morning. Exactly right. Because yeah. I because I find it fun, right? Yeah. And I neglected those movies for thirty years because yeah. I thought it's going to be shit. Yeah. And I finally picked one up. I was like, you know what? This is okay. I'm yeah. enjoying this. Um, yeah. So, and, as, and as you said before, we enjoy. We'll we'll watch anything. Mm-hmm. If it's a good film, it's a good film. Mm-hmm. Whether it was made in the nineteen twenties or twenty yeah. twenties, yeah, it doesn't matter. If it's yeah. a good film, it's a good film. Mm. 
Um, so, you know, we've got a good collection of old, you know, what I consider old original yeah. films, like, you know, Gone with the Wind yeah. and you know, all those yeah, like they're sort of classic, you know, on the classic posters. Stuff, there, yeah. right? So, you know. Well, I, I sort of, I think I, I think I agree with you. Well, no, I do, is, I do agree. Look, with you. we collect physical, but we stream as well. Exactly. We're watching right. WandaVision. We're streaming shows on Apple Plus, on Netflix, on Amazon. Because Prime, it's designed on for that. It's designed, it's designed that. to do that. It's fine. That's the way the future's going. I'm not holding a grudge because that's the way the future's going. Things move on. We're in the future now. We're in 2021. Yep. And it's changing. It's fine. But I agree with him in that it needs to change in a way that's not to detriment other stuff. Yeah. Um, look, we stream. We buy movies physically as well, but this is also, you know, we're saying this is why we buy the large physical media. At this point for me, we were in nearly 6,000 films and TV shows in our library. Yeah, that's right. Right? In the past, it's let's just buy a bunch of movies, we'll watch them, we'll enjoy them. But for me at this point now, where I'm seeing where cinema's going, I'm thinking this might be my last chance to, to own, own it. It might be my last chance to even be able to see it. I don't know if it's ever going to pop up on a streaming service, and if it is, if I'm even going to see it because of the algorithm. For me, it's now about curating a library of cinema from the beginning of time. Mm. I've got a stack of movies over here at the moment. So most of them are older films. I see like a couple of Buster Keaton box sets there, you know, silent films from 1910s, 1920s. There's Universal Monsters, classic stuff, a lot of film noir and stuff. I'm just picking away. And almost everything, and I enjoy all this. And some of that that I don't enjoy, that's all right, it's fine. Mm. It's in the library. We'll never throw anything out that we don't like because it's built this library. But for me also at this point, it's not just about me. It's not just about you. I feel like if when I have children, how are they going to access all these kinds of films, yeah, yeah, yeah. this vast yeah. catalogue of cinema, if it's all streaming-based? Mm. There's a lot of stuff sitting out there. Is it that's not streaming? That the, yeah. this new generation won't see on a streaming service or won't be able to see unless they have six or seven streaming services. Yeah. Um, I don't know. My kids might grow up and not like movies and whatever, you know. Be your own person. Might be my grandchildren, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, you, it's there. And if my kids turn out like me and you and they want to watch movies, they've got this 6,000 movies they can choose from. By the from. time they're around, there'll be 10,000. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, and here's, here's another question to that. Yeah. Another, another yeah. Um, what do you call it? Um, you know what I'm trying to think of? What? <laughs> another, another, another angle. angle to yeah. it. How long is Samsung, Sony, mm. LG and all these manufacturers well, yeah. going to keep Producing Blu-ray players. Yeah, well, who dropped out? Panasonic dropped out. They don't produce Blu-ray players. That's right. So it's going to get to a point where you're going to think, shit, they're getting, they're not manufacturing these anymore. I better go buy two or three of them Uh to last me. I've already seen people doing that. To last me the next. I've had people write in and say I've just bought like three Blu-ray players so that I've got them there. And something I'm considering about doing, just going and buying something and just have it there. We've got some that have kind of are starting to die now that are five years old. Yeah. Um. So, and we've got, you know, we're three or four in the house, yeah. four, maybe more in the house, and mm. they all still work, yeah. but to varying degrees. Yeah, so, exactly. So they're still going to be usable, Yeah, but it's going to get to a point where even I'm going to go out and go, you know, I'm, I've probably got another 20 years of my life or 25 years or 30 mm. years, whatever life I've got yeah. left, 
I'm still going to want to be able to access yeah, that. Exactly right. Because you know you, you've had conversations between your mother and me. Yeah. Where we where we go, and we'll watch a film, and, and you'll say, "Oh, you've watched that," and we'll go, "Oh, I don't remember it." Oh. Well, we're going to be so blissfully yeah. blissfully unaware. unaware of stuff we've watched yeah. that we'll be able to watch stuff yeah. over and over again and think, "Oh, that exactly. was a good film. Yeah. When was that one made?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so we so even I'm going to have to have mm. Blu-ray players. This is going to last me through my life. Yep. Well, I look if I you look know? at um, so that's an, that's another dimension to it all. Yeah. Well, I look at my we've got our all our films catalogued on here in this app, Salesy um, Movies. It's called. We catalog everything that we own. If I go to genre, and I go to my genre of classic films, which is what I consider to be anything made before nineteen eighty. I've pushed it. It used to be 1970. Yeah, yeah, but I feel like well, what what they're now calling vintage because a lot of 80s, 90s stuff, 30, 40 years old now, people are starting to consider classic, right? Yeah. So vintage cinema, yeah, anything kind of before the 1980s for me anyway. That's where the cutoff point is where cinema changes with Star Wars and Jaws and all that kind of stuff in the 70s. So I cut off at the end of the 1970s where you go into like this new era of cinema. That's how I... No, yeah, like, you've yeah. still got people acting in movie, big movies like Paul Newman and Robert Redford and stuff, but still fairly in their prime. The classic actors, vintage actors, and they're you know. So I anyway yeah, up yeah. to the nineteen eighties, and then I cut it off. Um, classic films or vintage films in our collection nine hundred eighty, who nearly thousand, right? There's a couple there. How many of these movies are going to wind up on streaming services? Yeah, well, and it's there. Look, probably, even if probably they, not a lot, even if they don't get watched, they're there. Yeah, it's a curation. It's a library yeah. where everything's there, and if I need to access something, I'll access it. Mm. I'm working on a cartoon evolution at the moment. I'm not going to reveal it, um, but if you've been on my letterbox, you might get some hints because I watched a documentary this week um, to help me to aid in mm. that evolution, which is something that's been sitting there for uh, since 2006, right? So 15 mm. years, this documentary's been sitting there, and I've been thinking, oh, I'll watch it one day. Finally, got around to watching it. It's there. Mm. It's there. Exactly like, right. And, you have to go searching. And that box set, right, series of whatever films, films um, dozens of documentaries on there that are going to help me immensely in this next Cards and Evolution video. It's just mm. there. Mm. It's reference material. Yeah. Even if it doesn't get exactly watched, right. I might be doing a video on, uh, who knows, classic cinema or something, or just some obscure... On Clark Gable or something. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. Well... Well, that's the thing. When I do these cartoon characters and you see, oh, Bugs Bunny was influenced by um, by Clark Gable's character in um, It Happened One Night, the Frank Capra film from the 1920s, I've got it in my collection. I'll go check it out. I'll mm-hmm. go see what they're talking about. Right? I'll watch it. I might watch some document. There might be some documentary on there that gives me a little bit of an insight to the background of that world. And for me, that is more of just like a catalogue of reference material as well. Yeah. And I think that's important too because these films, they're not just movies, they're not just content. It is reference material mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. And we can't forget that. And that's a big part of what I do with my cartoon evolutions is someone put it to me, one of my patrons put it to me, you're making these videos that are going up on YouTube, they're going to be there forever. And these are these documentaries that are about these characters that I dive so deep into them that I go back to the to the roots of the character. Mm. And in some cases I go so wildly off topic but make it important. It's always an important part of the character, and it might be the sake of going back to a movie from the 1920s that inspired Bugs Bunny, mm. something like that. Um, so these movies, they, these films all so serve different purposes 
Mm. And I feel like without that crea- creation, again, not everyone's going to be able to build a collection of 6,000 titles. That's fine. But there always should be a way for people to be able to access that stuff and whether that is in a collection or whether that's on streaming. Yeah. Don't lock stuff behind an algorithm or just so, hide it away where you're never going to find it. Yeah, so in a lot of, a lot of the a lot of films probably not so much now, but when when they were all being put on, you know, DVD and Blu-ray yep. and stuff, not all films came with special features. Yeah, yeah. And they came out as special editions, and we always made sure we bought the special yeah. editions yeah. that had the had the features yeah. in it. And if this is that example, and, and that's exactly what you know. Well, we didn't yeah. know at the time, yeah, obviously, yeah. but yeah. we we because we enjoyed the whole process mm. of filmmaking and yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Um, that's why we bought yeah. them. But it turns out that they've become really mm-hmm. useful yeah. as reference material. Same with my book. I have a collection yeah. of hundreds of books, and a lot of it was just I was just enjoyed reading about movies and filmmaking and. You know, just ploughing through these books and and um, you know learning about movies and stuff. At this point, I'm going back to books that I bought 20 years ago yeah. and using them as reference for my yeah, cartoon right. evolution. Yeah. Um, and I feel like maybe the same case can be said for books and reference material. You just don't get as much anymore. Mm. Um, so building up these libraries and these catalogs does serve more of a. I feel like maybe we've gone a little bit off topic. Yeah. But um, no, but it's it's, it's all relevant. It's all though. part it's of it, all, isn't it? It's all part of it. Um. So I feel like this stuff needs to be readily available, and that's all he's saying, I think, uh, because it then detriments what these pieces of art can be used for. Mm. I mean, I've been with you on several occasions when you've gone in to buy, buy books, and I've said to you, what do you want that for? Mm. Well, it might be useful one day. Yeah, and a lot of that means... And a lot, of, a lot is, of it has been. Yeah. I buy dozens of comic books and stuff as well, and half I don't read, but I know that at some point I'm going to need to reference... A reference. A re- Here's an example... I bought the Wonder, the Vision and the Scarlet Witch arc ten, five, five, six years ago. Really weird arc where Wanda and Vision get married and they move into a house in suburbia and things start going a little bit weird. And I thought, this is the weirdest arc I've ever seen in any comic book, but I'm intrigued. Get that in my collection. What's happened now? Yeah. They've made that into a TV show. Yeah. And I can go back to that the as reference. reference material. Yeah. And I don't have to sound like I'm speaking shit if I'm doing a video. Yeah. If I see something in the episode, I can go back to the book and just kind of like, oh, yeah, I can understand where the re- where the kind of it's come yeah. from and all this stuff. Um, so just even the most obscure things, mm. if it's something that interests you, if it's something that interests me, and I feel like at some point, I just always know at some point this is going to come in handy. Yeah. And it might even be a book that you just take a line from, a quote. Yep. So yep. many books I go, again, I might be studying a character. Um, it's just some random character or something, and there's something that links it back to something else, and I go, I have a book on that, or I have a book that might discuss that. Well, how many, t- how many times did you do that while you were overseas? Oh, yeah. You, you, you'd ring me or message yeah. me or something. Can you have a look in this book yeah. for yeah. this? See if there's a quote on this yeah. person. And then I would, then I would, yeah. you know, take a shot on my phone mm-hmm. and send it or yeah. scan it and send it across or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that happened dozens of times while you were overseas. And I buy a lot of history books too. So yeah. like 20th century history yeah. books as American presidents or on the war or whatever. And that's stuff I'm falling back on now as well when I do mm. – Character, like this character was impacted by the war or this character was like a, a big figurehead for, you know, soldiers in Vietnam or something. I have reference historical reference material that I can fall back on to then help me build my story a little bit mm. more. Um, 
So again, yeah, wildly away from what Scorsese was discussing. But it's not but really. It's all, it's all about curation. That. It's about yeah. curating, curating um, collections, yeah. and, and that's what he's and basically I think talking what about. What he's saying is that this kind of curation is so rare now that it's all falling in the hands of these people who own this material, who are only offering it to us in one way. So curate your content in a way that is going to be accessible for people. And whether that's to view as a film or whether to view as a piece of reference material. It's all history. Yeah. This cinema is all history. And I know? think I think I think I think it's a bit of a sad indictment on on um what your generation mm-hmm. that a lot of these people have no real respect for the past. Yeah. Cinema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, exactly what it is. And these are the people making decisions on what mm. go, on exactly what's going right. up. Exactly right. You know? But the thing I think is like, I think about something like Casablanca, which was made in 1941, right? Um, So when I was born, 50 years old, 50 year old movie. Yeah, that's right. So that wasn't really that old. Cinema hasn't been around for long. Mm. It's a 50 year old movie, it's 80 years old now. Yeah. How much older does that sound to people who are young and growing up? When I was growing up, Casablanca was... I remember The Wizard of Oz celebrating like its 60th or 70th anniversary. Mm. Like that's 1939, that film. Um, so how old is that now? It's just past 80 years. It's 80, 82, 82 years. years. So I remember I must have bought the 60th anniversary edition of, of the film, maybe. Um, I'm just trying to think. Trying to Guys, How old does that make me? 60th anniversary would have been... I remember buying the 70th, the 75th, the 80th maybe. So maybe 75th. But like as a kid, I watched that film when I was like eight years old. Yeah. Right? So that movie is that movie's like 50-ish years old when I'm a kid. I didn't realise that, but they don't. But now these movies seem a lot older. Yeah. So to me, the movies that were made in like the 40s feel like movies that were made in the 40s feel to people of today's generation what movies are like the 1910s feel like to me. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, I get that. Because yeah, it's like that. that larger gap. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I feel like the older, and that's even what he says in this first thing, is like he said there's obviously going to get a part, there's obviously going to be a point where this starts fading into obscurity. They become yeah. so old. But we can prevent that from happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So but, that, but that's happened with a lot of film already. Like mm. you look at things like we were talking talking earlier um, off, you know, before we did the podcast about yeah. – um, uh, Ned Kelly, the film Ned Kelly, yeah, yeah. made in 1904 or something, something yeah. like that, was the first what, feature-length film. film. Who knows about that? Well, exactly right. Yeah. You know, there's not a lot of people that know or yeah. have seen that or has seen that film. 1906. Something like that. Yeah. Um, so a lot of, so that stuff's gone. That's way off into obscurity. Mm. Yeah, now, we sure. don't even have a copy of that. No. The only copy you, know? you could get of that was like a DVD restoration, the National Archive or something did, yeah. and I never, I was too young. But see, I was too young. So you'll have to go to, to places even, like the archives, yeah. National Archives, the to ACMI, see this sort Well, the Australian, the ACMI, ACMI yeah. they have a, a vast library of video that you can go and you can watch. Yeah. And they have a, like a library on their computer, and it's, it could be anything, television shows, classic films, like yeah. reference, reference material. They've got a catalogue. Yeah. They've curated a catalogue where you can go and you watch it on their premises, take, like the but old who's school do way that? of doing it. No one. No one's going to do it. I've been there and there's no one in there. And it's only going to be, it's only going to be people like you or I mm. or... Or students of film yeah. that are going to that's going to go in there and use that as reference yeah. material. Yeah, 
And and I doubt whether you know. Mm. There's too many too many people actually going to do that. It's a pretty sad state. I don't know. I just feel like the older the older I get, the older grumpier you get. Well, grumpier I get, yeah. <laughs> but the older things start to feel, um, the older I start realizing. I, just, I I try and put myself in the mindset of someone who's growing up now, and again that idea of. Casablanca is like an 80-year-old film now. But when I was young, it wasn't that old. I think about movies like um, movies I grew up with, even like Big Daddy or whatever from like the 1990s yeah. to today's generation. They're as old, That's an old as, film. They're as old as stuff like what Vacation or Ferris Bueller or something was like to me Blub, as a kid. Flubber. Or, yeah. Yeah. Well, Flubber came out when I was a kid. But yeah. a movie like Flubber yeah. to today's generation is as old as something like Caddyshack or yeah. Ferris Bueller was yeah, to me. Right. You know, even older. Yeah. Just 20 years. Yeah. You know, Caddyshack, like all those 80s. I was like 10 watching them. Something so like 10, 70, 20 years yeah. old. Yeah. So I feel like you got to put it into perspective and the older cinema gets and the more stuff, stuff that comes out, all this older stuff just kind of gets pushed and it's, oh, that's old. So that kind of does spiral into another thing. There's been a big discourse. Well, that discussion, I agree with Scorsese. You agree with him now? Yeah, I do Beautiful. agree with Beautiful. And him. if I yeah, have I changed do. the minds of anyone out there, I'd be very happy. <laughs> I'd like to hear... I'm a pretty I'm, stubborn old yeah. to change the mind. Wow, well, how good is that? We've done it. We cracked it. <laughs> no, but if there is anyone out there who's been on the fence or whatever and have listened to this, stuck through that, I'd like to, I'd like to really know. So send me a tweet, send me an email, daveleepod at gmail.com. Get me on Instagram, wherever you can get. I'd really like to know if this conversation has broken through to anyone. Yeah. Right? Or write an, a, a, like a comment down in the description if you're watching on YouTube, mm-hmm. anything like that. Um, I'm just kind of keen on what people, keen to hear what people are thinking. Um, so again, Scorsese is not lashing out against these things. He's just, it's like we. He's need, just concerned. We, he's, he's, he's concerned. Concerned, concerned for the history. He's of an film. older guy. He's not going to be around for too much longer. Um, and it's like he's trying to do what he can do. While he can to preserve do it. it, yeah, um, and you want to listen to these. Like you can't dismiss him as. And like you got to you got to hope that there's somebody behind him. Oh yeah, like you know, say Christopher Nolan or somebody yeah, yeah. like that that is going to take that mantle on. Well, he would be. I think Christopher Nolan out of today's. Well, I would imagine would he'd be, be one because yeah. he's the one that still insists on shooting on film and yeah. shooting on the biggest and the best formats yeah. and um, all that. So I, th- I feel like there are still people out there like this. Uh, I don't think we'll ever see movies get swept under the rug completely. But and I'm reckoning like, you'll see guys like Clint Eastwood and all that yeah. all agree with Scorsese. Oh, yeah. And well, they would most definitely. Part of that film fund sort of thing. Yeah, they just have to, you know. Like, yeah. And as I said, I just hope that there's somebody behind him, yeah. like, a, like a Christopher Nolan, yeah. that he's going to take it on mm. and run with it and yeah. say, this is what we need to preserve yeah. and this is how we need to For preserve sure. it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Talking of uh, Denis Villeneuve, he uh, has said something that's very quite controversial online this morning. He's another one of these filmmakers who's come out taking swings at Marvel. <laughs> Just another he, one. He was asked, uh, this is from IGN. IGN wrote, the, it's been reported for all, all the sources, but this is the, the one that I put up here. was from IGN. Speaking with the Spanish newspaper El Mundo, uh, Villeneuve was asked about the process of making artistic films on a big budget, which Villeneuve said is certainly doable, like in the case of Christopher Nolan or Alfonso Cuaron. Uh, this led to Martin Scorsese's comments on Marvel movies and how the director has been critical of Marvel movies in the past. In a quote, IGN independently translated, I believe um, I, I, it was a, a foreign language, the interview. I think it might have been French. 
Spanish newspaper though. Maybe it was maybe it was in Spanish. I'm not too sure. Uh, but Villeneuve uh, seems uh, seemingly agreed with Scorsese, saying perhaps the problem is there are too many Marvel films that are nothing more than a cut and paste of others. Maybe these types <laughs> of movies have turned us a little bit into zombies. Oh, God. Uh, he's added nowadays there are a lot of big and expensive movies that have a lot of value. I don't feel capable of being completely pessimistic. Uh, he did, however, praise Marvel's hiring of Chloe Zhao uh, for the Eternals as genius in a separate interview, saying that it's, it's completely different to what they normally do. Yeah. It's a genius move to go and oh, I don't know, what do you make of, of that? <laughs> Just a bit of a slap, isn't it? It is a bit. Obviously, people are getting riled oh, up online. That's his opinion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good luck to him. Yeah, Everyone's entitled to their opinion and... If he doesn't like Marvel films or yeah. DC films or whatever, well, good luck to him. Yeah, exactly. You know, not my. It's uh, not it's of course problem. caused a massive stir online. People are getting very worked up about it. Um, I don't care. People have their opinion. You know? Yeah, exactly right. As um, I say, opinions like assholes. Everybody's got one. Yeah, you know? it spawned all kinds of debates online and stuff about what is the definition of art and what movies can be considered art and all this shit. And I just, I was in a bit of a, I don't know, got a bit of an argument with with a couple of people earlier this morning on Twitter over the whole thing, and they're saying, "Well, oh, okay. I'm like, Mike, my, someone jumped on and was like said something like, oh, Marvel movies aren't art. They are commercials. They are commercialist and you can't compare commercial. I'm like, hang on a minute. All, anything creative, anything that's used a creative person to use their creative powers and their artistic um, intuition, their artistic um, uh, skills to make something is art. Yeah, exactly Whether right. that is Dune, whether it's an auteur film, it's the Marvel, a Marvel film, a fucking commercial for McDonald's if you want to talk about commercialism, yeah. a cat video on YouTube that someone's put some funny music on. It's, it's art. It's if all you use an artist there, exactly right. If you want to use like that literal term of art, yeah. it's all art. Someone's using, and to discredit, I'm not saying uh, Villeneuve is saying this because he's not, but other people are turning it into something that it's really not. Yeah, exactly. People just blow these things up and it spawns this whole other thing. But my thing is like, if you're an artist doing this thing, it's it's art. And then people take these things and they twist it and they go, oh, yes, he's saying these aren't, you know, it's just. It's, 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 how can I explain it? My, my view is that it's, um, it's art for entertainment. Yeah. As opposed to art for art. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, for argument's sake, you're looking at, um, if you're looking at a, uh, a Picasso or a, hmm. or a, um, what's his name, Claude Bonnet or something yeah, yeah. like that, that's art. Yeah, but if you look at something by, let's say uh, Warhol, mm. is that art for entertainment? Oh yeah, but same it's sort still, of thing. Same sort of thing. I get but it. It's I get still it. Art. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Right? What people, but a lot of people just take things um, to the next level. Yeah, where they, the only definition of art is the latest Martin Scorsese film or. Denny Villeneuve film. Oh, it's all, it's just art and nothing else is art. It's all art, but there's a different variation of yeah. what art can be used for, what it can be used to express, how it's presented. Um, it's all art, though. If yeah. you, it's used a creative person. And the thing that riles me up about it is that you're not just dragging down the work, you're dragging down the people who put the put you know, their blood, sweat, yeah. and tears, and skills and effort into, into the films. Yeah. You've got people working three, four years on some of these movies and you go, eh, it's not, it's not mm. art. It is art, but it's just, yeah. you know. Well, you, just, you know my view on art films and exactly stuff like right. that. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not a huge fan because I, I've, my view is 
that film films are for entertainment. Mm. If well, somebody wants to make an artistic film mm. to please themselves mm. and hope other people get enjoyment, well, good luck to them. Mm. But first and foremost, I think that film mm. is there for entertainment. Yeah, well, it can be used for you know? I, look. It can be used for many things, and uh, I, th- I feel like it's whatever you, as the viewer, uh, the appreciator, or whatever, wants to get out of it. In- Get out of exactly it. right. If you want art for entertainment, that's great. If this other guy wants art to uh, want the film, the art for art's sake, then whatever. But yeah, at exactly the end right. of the day, if you take that literal expression of art, mm. it's all art, exactly right. And to say that's not art, you're not denigrating the film, denigrating the people who spent three or four years making it, brainstorming the ideas, mm. making the visual effects, you'll probably find. The people who did the visual effects on Marvel films were doing the visual exactly effects on right. Dune. Yep. Because most of these studios don't have huge VFX teams. They outsource it to smaller, smaller production smaller companies. Production companies. Yeah. There's, a, there's a few in Melbourne. There's a few in Sydney yep. that do a lot of the Marvel stuff. And we're probably hired to do Dune as well. It's probably the same people. Yeah, that's right. Working on these movies. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the – I don't know. It's like you saying that the person who worked on Dune – didn't put as much love and care and skill into it as the person who made Guardians of the Galaxy or the Avengers. That's right. They put their same amount of effort into it for a different end mm. game. Pardon the pun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's like you spend a life in advertising. You still do advertising. Yep. I worked in the advertising for about 10 years or so. And you can't say that even though we were doing stuff for magazines and you know, catalogs, junk, catalogs and junk, junk mail, mail and stuff. The people who put the work, whether it's the photographer, the yep. stylists, anyone working on the shoot, put their all into those to make it the best product that they could. Yeah. And you can't say that these people worked less than the people who made a, f- a feature film. Yeah. So it's just a different exactly thing. Right. So anyway, this I'm glad you brought that up, but I'm going to bring that up anyway. Yeah. Because it's, yeah. it's, you know, like what, you know, I mm. did for a living or we did for a living, mm. um, and I still, I still do, mm. um, is... Pure commercialism at its finest. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But the effort I put in mm. to to create that mm. is an artistic process. Yeah, exactly right. You're right. creating an art. You're it's creating the same, an art It's piece. the same as if I was out doing landscapes mm. for art's sake. Yeah. Or shooting whatever Yeah. as a piece of art. Mm. I put the same amount of yeah. effort into it. I use the same skills. Um, and the, the, the whole process is mm. all the same. It doesn't yeah. matter whether you're shooting for art or whether you're shooting a commercial I- mm. image. Same thing. Yeah. So if you've got a commercial film or you've got an artistic film or a documentary or yeah. whatever, the same effort mm. goes into it, the same That's skill right. go yep. into it. Yeah. So, you know. That's just, it just feels like in this day and age, again, we talk about how we're moving into this era where it's so streaming. People aren't appreciating the content. It's content. People aren't appreciating right. the art that they're being given. Yeah. They're... Give me my content now. Give me this. And the way they just, it's so easy to just be so flippant of the people who are behind these and things. And I wonder, wonder if that if that content label yeah. gets in that way. Of course it does. Because, you know, you can you can go out with your, you know, with your mobile phone and, mm. you know, and, and do a 30-second TikTok thing and, yeah. and put it up straight away yeah. and someone someone's going to call that art. Yeah. Well, it's not not art. Yeah. But that's, that's you know, exactly like, what, my, what I'm saying. Yeah. And that's what I'm using it as, as, as an example. Yep, exactly. Someone will go, that's not art. But someone has put some sort of creative yeah, effort into right. 
producing that piece, even yeah. if it's like a 10-second TikTok. They've gone through some sort of creative, yep. artistic process to make that piece of well, is essentially a piece of art. Yeah, exactly right. You know, so that's that's my sense. And I just feel like it annoys me because it's, people can be so flippant of artists and the work they're doing to get this stuff out there. Yeah. And, like, it's why when I review a movie, I can't fucking rail on the thing. Even if I really didn't like it, like Cinderella, the Amazon movie, mm. it was a dreadful movie, but I can't sit there and tear it down because I know there have been people out people there who put their, effort put their best it. effort in. Yeah. And some people will come at it, in fact, one of the people I was arguing with, who I believe is actually a patron of the channel, um, came at me and was saying, but, you know, Disney is, um, you know, you talk about Disney and stuff and they're very um, um, conglomerate and they don't even look at their own work as art. It's all IP-based and stuff. That's a different concept, though. Yeah. You know, however they're treating the content is one thing, but the work that goes into that content and artwork is a completely different thing. Yeah. Um, and it's just, again, it's so so flippant. And then there's this other argument, which is, but these artists aren't making enough money. They're under oppressive situations and stuff. doesn't matter. Artists have never made money. Exactly right. Go right through history. <laughs> exactly you right. You look at somebody like Mozart, yeah. who was yeah. a musical artist. Yeah, he wouldn't have made any money. He was bankrupt when all he, these, All when these he artists, all these great painters, you know? never made money in their lifetime. Monet was yeah. another one. Oh, Monet's a bit different. He he had a little bit of money. Well, a lot of these people were broke yeah. most of their life. Exactly Walt right. Disney was broke most of his life yeah. because he kept throwing all his money back into his films. Yeah. So anyway, that's not my argument. My argument's not about whether these movies are good or bad or fucking whatever you think about them. I don't give a shit. Have your own opinions, great. But don't denigrate the people who make the stuff for the sake of you going, oh, that's not that. This thing's better here. Get rid of that. That doesn't matter anymore. Mm. You can rag Um, on the storyline and shit like that Mm. because if it's a bad film. But but the people that work on them, as you said. Don't drag down the the, the, the artwork that's come out of the... Yeah. Finished thing as lesser than, um, but yeah, but like if 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 these artists are working under oppressive conditions or whatever you want to say, you're not making much money, or whatever. I mean, where we were working, that wasn't a great environment some of the time. No, but exactly you still right. did the work and you still used yep. your your energy and your artistic yep. prowess to get yep. the job done. Because I mean, at the end at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I was producing or what I'm still what I still produce mm. occasionally. Um, it's your reputation. Oh yeah, exactly. At the end right. of the yeah, day, yeah, yeah, right. So you're like with with the people that make whatever film or documentary or whatever they're making, they put their heart and soul into mm-hmm. it, just like I do when I go and yeah. shoot some crappy bloody product for <laughs> some third rate <laughs> retailer. Yeah. Um, not that I'm saying any of the ones yeah, I shoot for yeah. now or in the past of yeah. third rate. Um, uh, what was I saying? Yeah, so um, you still put that same effort yeah. in. And you still know that you're, particularly with film, mm. you're only as good as the last one you made exactly. and the last job you yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. So if I was to go into a client and I was to pro- produce some, some really nice work for them, and I thought, oh, fantastic, we'll send more work his way and I keep getting more work and then one particular job doesn't go well, mm. then I lose that client straight yeah. away because that last job I did was shit and they can't trust you anymore. Yeah. Although That's you've right. done 50, 50 in the past that were, you know, top yeah. notch. And then you've got no work. It's the same thing. That's then right. you've got no money. Yeah. Anyway. So, Great yeah, discussion. so they'll put their effort into it. Exactly right. I just, I feel like it's like don't, just think about what you're saying. I know, yeah, it's so exactly. e- I know it's so easy, but there's hundreds of people putting their everything into these movies day after day, 
year after year, trying to put out something for you to enjoy, and whether that's to enjoy for some entertainment or to enjoy as an artistic piece, don't get don't blur that line between the meaning of art because whatever you've used, anything you've used to put out there as a creative piece of work to use your skills, your talent is art. And unfortunately, even this podcast is is art in its own way. Oh, that might be a stretch. <laughs> might be a little bit of a stretch. I think, though, at that, I reckon this show is almost an hour, two and a half hours. Wow. So yeah. let's cap it off without any questions today. Oh, I think, I think we'll we're just going to gonna yeah. close it off. So here we go, Ted Lasso. We watched the latest episode. Still brilliant. Jesus, great show. So that's probably we don't my, get enough of it. No, I think it's my favorite show right now. Oh yeah, for sure. One of my favorites. Yeah. Com comedic shows of all time. Instantly yeah. love it. Yeah, yeah. And I said last week, I keep seeing these people on Twitter. Like almost every week, someone new is discovering it. And they're like, "Oh my god, how was I so late to this?" You know, it's yeah. one of these things like Game of Thrones. How we just put off for so long because, like, I'm sick of hearing about this thing. I'm sure it's great. Everyone loves it. I just I can't be bothered. And you see people who are like, "Oh yeah, I put off so long," and then, "Oh my god, this mm. is actually better than people are saying." Yeah, exactly. There's been a bit of controversy, little yeah. controversy to come out of this at the moment. What's that? Um, been a little bit of discourse around the character of Roy Kent. Oh. Roy Kent's my favourite character. Yeah. Um, I always thought that if if that was real life, I'd be Roy Kent. He's terrific. Because the way I used to speak to my, yeah. my boss, bosses and shit. Well, actually, I had a couple of people say, oh, yeah, he's just like you, Dave. Oh, so okay. Apple doesn't yep. fall far from the tree. I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's this big discourse online. Uh, conspiracy theorists, a bit of a conspiracy going around that Roy Kent yeah. is a CGI character. I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> if you look at the pic, I've got a couple of pictures there. People are dead convinced that Roy Kent is CGI. Nah, there's no way. They are fucking convinced. Look at this, right? We've got uh, some just examples from the internet. Roy is a CGI character, right? I can't unsee it. I'm positive Apple is going to unveil something at some point that they were trying to trick us with his CGI. Yes, dude, I've been convinced of this as well and keep Googling it but haven't found any confirmation. He looks like the Tintin characters from the latest remake. <laughs> <laughs> the guy says, I bet it's one of Apple's conditions for making the show. They've got to try out their new CGI tech. And at the Emmys, they're going to put him up for Best Actor and make him a surprise announcement because, uh, that he was CGI. Someone else says, I just started watching the pilot and I'm up to the scene where Roy is called into Ted's office. Am I crazy or does he look like a complete CGI character? Someone else says he is 100% CGI. Heaps of people, he's CGI. Uh, thank God this threat exists. It's the biggest question I've had since the show started. What the fuck is going on? He must be CGI. Um, heaps of people been weighing in on this. Uh, thank God for this thread. My husband doesn't see it. I felt like I was going crazy. Every episode consists of me analysing Roy and I can't pay attention to anything else. I'm going to sit down and watch some this afternoon. Yeah, have yeah. <laughs> His slow eye movements, blinks and odd body movements have to be CGI. How are we the only ones seeing this? I can see it. I mean, you look at the way he walks and yeah, yeah, very stiff. And, and the way he turns and all this sort of stuff. Like he doesn't, his arms don't swing very much. When very he walks soft and, skin. And if you look at the way he's yeah. lit, too, his skin kind of glows a little and bit. He, and he doesn't yeah. have much expression in his face. It's just this stern yeah. look the whole time. Yeah. Well, uh, the actor Brett Goldstein yep. uh, has finally addressed the rumours. Has he? Yeah. <laughs> after about a week of people speculating online whether um, whether Roy Kent is a CGI character, uh, let's have a look at what uh, what Brett Goldstein, who by the way wrote 
Yeah, wrote last week's episode. Oh, did he? Yeah. That was a good episode. Yeah, too. very good one. So there you go. Okay, so this is uh, Brett Goldstein addressing the Roy Kent CGI. Didn't know CGI characters controversy. Could write. There you go. <laughs> There's a fucking load of mad shit happening on the internet today, as usual. Um, I just want to clear up something once and for all. I am a completely real, normal human man who just happens to live in a VFX house and does normal human basic things like rendering and buffering and transferring data. That's what everyone's fucking... (laughs) 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 Oh, fuck me. (laughs) Oh, that's gold. That's fucking gold. (laughs) Oh, fuck me. So for those listening, oh, oh, sorry, for those who aren't watching, watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck me. So, um, oh, that's the greatest. <laughs> for those oh. listening, uh, Brett Goldstein's <laughs> taken to Twitter, Instagram. Uh, he's used one of those, like, iPhone, like, CGI, oh. in those filters that can turn you into, like, a little avatar emoji man. <laughs> And he's delivered that little speech. So if you want to check that out, you know, to his Twitter, his Instagram. and Oh, that's gold. That is a ripper. It's the funniest thing I've seen in ages. Very good. Very Fucking good. hilarious. So there you have it. He's just an oh. old human man who does basic human things like... Oh, my head's in pain rendering. <laughs> Oh, you know when you laugh so hard, the fucking back of your ears hurt. Oh, yep. my God. Shit, he broke you. Oh. Didn't think it was possible. That was fucking... He broke you. That was gold. <laughs> fucking gold. There you go. So, uh, Ted Lasso, great show. CJ character oh. or not, you, may, you make up your mind. Uh, <laughs> it will rain, I can John. see it. I can see it, though. I can see you, it. You can see I, it. I get what people are talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But... Uh, oh. Right from the man himself, not a CGI character. <laughs> there you go. You right there? I just had to take my headphones off for a minute because my head's hurting. Okay, now. Oh. Okay, I think I've composed myself. Composed, right. Oh. Uh, popcorn chat. Yeah. We get one from him all the time. Yeah, he's a lot, very long. He's like one of the very first, very first subscribers. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Hey Dave, love your podcast. This would be something fun to do. Could you and old mate Rick pitch a story using the Pixar template? Oh. I would recommend alternating between you two and seeing what crazy story you would end up with. Ah, interesting. Once upon a time there was blank every day, blank Monday. All right, so let's go from the top. Okay, who wants to go first? Oh, I don't know what I want to say for this. Well, you just off off the top of your head. All right, so we'll start with you read. So once upon a time? Once upon a time, there was a man wearing a cowboy hat. No, that's not how it goes. <laughs> no? <laughs> All right. Okay. Once upon a time, there was a man wearing a cowboy hat. Yep. Every day, he was loving life. One day, his hat fell off. Oh, no. And because of that, he was very sad. And because of that, he shot his horse. Oh, jeez. We got real dark. <laughs> pretty dark. <laughs> pretty quick. <laughs> Until finally... The horse came back to life and they lived happily ever after. That was a shit film. That was awful. <laughs> terrible. That was terrible. Is that Woody gone mad? Is it? <laughs> yeah, Woody probably. shot Bullseye. Yeah, and, yeah, oh, yeah. no. Uh, Camel DiMartino. Ma- yes. Uh, favorite cartoon ever and maybe favorite adult cartoon like The Simpsons or Family Guy? 
And uh, Eric Hertz also asked, what's your top ten cartoons? So sort of just talk about it. won't go okay. over top ten, yep. but sort of favourite cartoons. Favourite adult cartoon would be The Simpsons or Family Guy. Sorry to give you a boring answer, but for me, definitely. Uh, for me, Family Guy or Archer. I didn't like Archer. So I really enjoyed Archer. How much of Archer did you even watch? Though? I watched probably a fair bit of much. it. I probably watched... So I watched a bit while you were overseas. Oh, really? Because it, it was on one of the... Oh, yeah, yeah. Cable channels, I think it was. Um, I didn't see all of it, mm. and there was there was another one similar to Archer, and I can't remember what it was called. Don't remember. There was, was very adult. Mm. It wasn't porn adult, but it yeah. was, but it was quite adult. So yeah, so Family Guy or Archer for me. Oh, I also really loved that Harley Quinn show too. Yeah, yeah, that was good. That was brilliant. That was good. Brilliant show. And your favorite cartoon ever? It would be The Simpsons. Sorry, boring. Um, other than that, other than stuff like Simpsons, Family Guy. See, I don't really like. I don't even. Wouldn't really even consider Simpsons ad- adult. It's it's really weird because there's a whole lot of people now who are considering the Simpsons an adult cartoon again. Mm. It's not really. I don't. I've never seen it that way. Right. When it first started, early you know, late eighties, early nineties, there was all these groups up in arms. Oh, you can't. This is not a kids' show or ever. But it, I grew up on it. I mm. never saw it as an adult show. Whereas with South Park, I knew I was watching something that I shouldn't be watching. Yeah. The Simpsons, it was just a fucking your uncle, your uncle thought it was an adult show. Yeah, he did too, yeah. 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 But, but he... But he liked South Park. He South Park was. <laughs> um, was bizarre. Yeah, but I've never seen it as an adult... I don't know, I've just never been able to see it. But like, there were a lot of people complaining that The Simpsons was on Disney+, because, oh, you can't put an adult cartoon... It's not that bad. Compare it to Family Guy. Well, it's, it's it's funny because the the uh, when I when I see The Simpsons because that started what really sort of 89. took off. Well, it really took off what early early to mid nineties yeah. really. Um, well, then um, when it first when it first sort of hit, you could you could pick between the kids' humor and that and the adult humor in it. So yep. there was so there was quite a, di- a distinct sort of. Mm-hmm. Adults could watch it and get something out of it. Yeah. Yet kids could watch it and get something out of it, but they didn't get the adult jokes in it. Yeah. Well, it's well interesting because I'm watching it all uh, again at the moment, just sort of like if I have a, yeah. a light day of work where I'm just backing up the computer or something that doesn't require me to think, I'll have it on the on the next screen. I'm yeah. trying to get through it all. And there's so much in it that I'm picking up now that I yeah, never... Yeah, that's right. And how many times I watch those episodes. I've yeah. watched them like at least 10, 15, yeah, 20 yeah. times each probably, like the yeah. early 10 seasons. Um, and I'm picking up new stuff and thinking, geez, I never picked up on it. So I do get it. There's a lot of adult humour in there, but I just never consider it an adult show. It's just yeah. something that had a yeah. little bit. But even the Rugrats had stuff that you watch well, now. Exactly, and you're like, exactly right. Yeah. Um, and I think that you know that's obviously because you've got to you've got to you've got to cater for the adults that are taking the kids to see these things. Yeah, well, exactly or sitting right. in front of a TV with a yeah. kid watching these things. I don't think. And I remember watching The Simpsons when you were when you were yeah. early, you know. Yeah. Five, six years old, whatever, and um, there'd be stuff I'd be cacking myself laughing at, and you weren't, mm. and there'd be stuff that you'd be pissing yourself laughing at. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> I don't get what he's laughing at. Probably Homer falling down the stairs or something. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And then you were laughing at some little, some little innuendo joke. Yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly right. There, there's a joke in one of the episodes where they go to. Um. Uh, they go to like a. I can't remember. They go. They go to some like hillbilly town, and there's one of the, um, 
one of the like shops, one of the local shops is called is called Sneed's Feed and Seed, formerly known as Chuck's. So if you think about it, Sneed's good. Feed and Seed. For, so Sneed rhymes with feed and seed. Oh, Chuck's. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and oh. then it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah. you never would have picked up as a kid. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of adults. But I don't think it was ever a show that was particularly adult or particularly kids. It was just like that, like the Flintstones. Like the Flintstones was very groundbreaking in the 60s. Yeah. Where it was just that prime time... Uh, uh, Comedy cartoon that was just for all audiences. Yeah, that's right. I've just never bought yep. into the whole that's like a family guy because family guy's its own completely different thing. Mm, and that's quite, it's got quite distinct adult humor. Oh, yeah. About definitely. It. Yeah. Quite distinct. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, you know, I can see, I can see, like with The Simpsons, I can see the adult humor and I can see the, the, yeah. the kids' humor in it. And that's, that's what made that, that cartoon so brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It's because it catered for both ends of the spectrum. Well, 30 years later, I'm still finding stuff in it yeah, that I didn't right. pick up on. Yeah, so, that's right. Uh, so then maybe I had the maybe I had the pleasure of being able to see it in both both minds and be able to... Yeah. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly right. Yeah. Seen it as a kid and seen it as yeah. an adult, so... It's still such a good show. I sit, still sit there and just laugh. Like, yeah. oh my God. But and yeah, I am finding myself laughing at different things And now. then, like, favourite cartoons and stuff, like... Yeah, going back to the question. <laughs> yeah, so for me, so for me, things like um, Casper the Friendly Ghost, I yeah. loved as a kid, and and uh, Wacky Races mm. and uh, Road Runner, those sorts of yeah. things, I really enjoyed as a kid. I loved. I grew up with all the old Hanna Barbera stuff on like uh, Country Network and Boomerang, or was yeah. on Boomerang. Yeah. Flintstones, I love. I love Flintstones. Flintstones as well. Yeah. The Jetsons. Jetsons was great. Alicia loves the Flintstones and hates the Jetsons. Really? She hates it. She's always <laughs> hated it. And I realised she just hates space things. Uh, right. <laughs> because every time that I bring up something, she's like, oh, I hate that. I used to hate that. I'm like, well, it's just another space thing. I can't remember other examples, but I did realise it once. I was like, you just sound like the space things. So anyway, uh, Jetsons, another favourite Hanna-Barbera, like my top favourite alongside Simpsons, uh, Flintstones, Top Cat. Oh, I love Top Cat. <laughs> he was the best. Loved Top Cat. Top Cat was yeah, so good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, McGilly Gorilla, Yogi Bear. Because that was, that was around when I was a kid, Top Cat. Yeah, there were all those Hanna-Barbera, yeah. like uh, 60s, 70s. Yeah, Yogi, Yogi Bear yeah. and... So good. Sort of great stuff. Great. Uh, yeah. Oh, so there you go. I'm waiting for them to put Top Cat on Blu-ray. They're slowly going through the Hanna-Barbera. We've got Flintstones, Jetsons. Mm. Um, but they're doing some really obscure work. Well, Josie and the Pussycats, not that obscure. Um, but they've just put out the Herculoids. Oh, like, really? Yeah, Johnny Quest. Yeah, I've just bought the Herculoids. I'm waiting for that. Um, and, yeah, Johnny Quest and just some really obscure ones. I'm waiting for Top Cat. I want Top Cat and Megilla Gorilla. Oh. <laughs> and Scooby-Doo's out, of course. So yeah, yeah. Slowly, slowly getting them all. Yeah. Scooby-Doo. Well, I, I reckon that was a golden. When I was a kid, that was a golden age for oh, cartoons. Absolutely. Golden age of TV animation. Yeah, it was the Hanna-Barbera. Late like 60s right through to the early 80s sort of thing. They so were producing more content. They were producing more animation than any other studio at the time, even oh, Disney. Hanna-Barbera. Yeah. And because they farmed all their shows off to different networks too. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't that, oh, they produced everything for ABC. You had show programs on ABC, CBS, NBC. They're all just mm. playing Hanna-Barbera on the Saturday mornings. 
Yeah. Just fucking produce shit. And that's why, because that animation's so limited. It's like three or four frames for everything. Yeah, 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 that's right. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, there you go. That's the answer to that question. Long winded, but. Well, those two. Two questions. From, from Camel de Martino and Eric Hertz. Yeah. Thanks so much. Again, thank you so much for taking the time out of your very, very busy schedule to, to sit and chat with me for a little bit. Um, I do appreciate pleasure. it. Uh, and thanks to all. As you say, the crazy little critters that are just banging around in your head for turning up and saying hello as well. Um, My a, pleasure. <laughs> a huge congratulations on uh, Animaniacs getting picked up for the third season, by the way, which you're, which you're currently working on, I believe. Yes, we are. In fact, I'm going to do another episode right now, mate. Going, That's fantastic. I'm fresh out of Vegemite. I'm going to buy myself a cat. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I won't hold you up any further. You've got to go and um, work for Mr. Spielberg and all of that. I won't, I won't you. hold you up. So, um, I, once again, thank you so much for, for this. It's been a really wonderful experience for myself, and um, you're just such a wonderful person. So, well, thank you so much. Well, it's my great pleasure. So, why don't we leave the fans with uh, a little updated version of Yakko's World? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, you guys have heard the original one, but my genius friend, Randy, and we've proven he really is, yep. threw this out, I don't know, about a year ago and said, you know, the, so- the countries have changed. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to leave you guys with this. <clears throat> Here's the updated version. Montenegro and Bosnia, Herzegovina, the Soviet Union is gone. South Africa, Georgia, Moldova, Latvia, Belarus, Azerbaijan, Uzbekistan, hey, Kazakhstan, hey, then the Tajikistan too, hey, hey, Turkmenistan, hey, Kurdistan, Armenia, Tonga, Palu, Lithuania, Serbia, Kosovo, U.S. Samoa, the Balkans, Brunei, Macau and Crimea, then Eritrea, Ukraine and Estonia, here's Macedonia, New Caledonia, Eastern Savonia, Ivory Coast and Cape Verde, Andorra, the Solomon Islands, Dubai, goodbye. See you later. Thank you so much. Oh, man. Amazing. Thanks again for listening to the Best of the Daily Down Under Podcast 2021. We'll be back with another Best of compilation next week. Hope to join you on the next one. Until then, take care.